Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots Bay Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Why I Don't Talk About Anthony Rizzo, and Ask Me Questions. If I was confusing, and today I might be confusing, I might even be wrong. I might even be wrong. I did about 35 seconds of homework on this episode. Probably I should have done a bit more than that. But even if I get the specifics wrong here or there, I'm going to get the generality correct. Why I don't talk about Anthony Rizzo very much. There's two ways to look at it. And one of them is Anthony Rizzo, the Cub, whether the Cubs should bring back Anthony Rizzo or whether the Cubs should move on from Anthony Rizzo is a very emotionally charged issue. Very emotionally charged issue for some people probably it is incalculable for you to appreciate both anthony rizzo and frank schwindel why would that be well because they get to make their own rules and they made their rules and their rules are you can't like rizzo and schwindel so because I like Rizzo, I don't like Schwindel, and if you are in favor of Schwindel, you hate Chicago-style pizza. It's as easy as that. Doesn't necessarily seem to make any sense, but that's the way it goes. It's an emotionally charged issue. When you are dealing with emotionally charged issues, logic goes out the window. And since logic is all I have, since logic is all I basically play with, then if logic is not allowed, if logic is not permitted, if logic is not paramount, I'm going to generally avoid the situation. Now, I'm going to take a massive leap because a name popped to mind as I was thinking about the Cubs contemplating bringing back Anthony Rizzo, and this name has absolutely nothing to do with current pop culture or baseball or the Cubs or anything. It involves a book that was turned into a movie in 1980s. I think it was the 1980s. It's a movie that kind of bothered me, kind of bothered me a whole lot, um, at least a certain point of it. And in its own way, it gets very political involving one specific character. The movie is The World According to Garp, which starred Robin Williams. And Robin Williams' character is not the character that I am specifically interested in, in regards to Anthony Rizzo, but more a side character who develops in the movie and the book. 
you can look, you should watch the movie, read the book, if you do the watch the movie, read the book thing. And I'm not going to go too far into discussing what goes on with the main character. Well, with, with the, no, with the side character that I discuss in the podcast. But Ellen James is the character from The World According to Garp, either the movie or the book. Either the movie or the book. Ellen James is a lady in the movie who, I'll just put it this way, unspeakable things were done to Ellen James. Unspeakable, horrible, terrible things that if you are doing these sorts of things to anyone, there's probably really not a punishment that I would consider too severe. Really not a punishment that I would consider too severe. What ended up happening was Ellen James ended up becoming a bit of a... Ooh, how do I want to phrase it? Um, legend. Ellen James became a bit of a living legend in that she, her, her name, Ellen James, her name was used by a whole bunch of people for standing up for something socially that Ellen James didn't agree with. Ellen James had beliefs. Ellen James had stances. And people who were using Ellen James's name were not in agreement with Ellen James. But Ellen James' name was being used for these beliefs that Ellen James did not stand for. Probably sounds a little bit confusing. I'm going to try that again. Ellen James was in a horrible situation. Other people in society were defending Ellen James and made a couple of stances that Ellen James didn't agree with or certainly didn't completely agree with. So what Ellen James thought wasn't what the Ellen Jamesians were saying. What Ellen James thought was not what the Ellen Jamesians were saying. There was a disconnect between reality and perception. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So what's that got to, it, to do with Anthony Rizzo? Right now I'm not even entirely sure, but I know at the start when I had come up with the, I was looking at the Anthony Rizzo thing and the Frank Schwindel thing. <sighs> Sometimes when you use a term, whatever the term is, you have a meaning for that term. Someone else hears the term, they have a completely and entirely different meaning for the term. So, I could say 
You know, Frank Schwindel had a kind of good two months with the Cubs. And just say exactly that. And someone else hears that and says, oh, well, you obviously don't like Anthony Rizzo. Which I did not say. Sometimes you say one thing and some excess baggage is added along with that. And it wasn't intended. It wasn't meant. It wasn't desired. It wasn't said. It wasn't stated. It wasn't inferred. It wasn't implied. Would I be okay if the Cubs brought back Anthony Rizzo? It's going to be a whole bunch of questions. What would be the terms? You know, if Anthony Rizzo would come back to the Cubs for, oh, let's say 2-12, and 12, and no, no trade clause, I'd be totally good with that. Now, if it's going to be 3-60, and 60, there's no way in the world I'd want the Cubs to pay that. I'd want Anthony Rizzo on a two-year deal before I'd want the Cubs to acquire and play Eric Hosmer. But again, it would all depend upon the numbers. It's all going to depend upon the numbers because baseball is now about the business angle. The business angle is the stuff that I get, is the stuff that I understand. I don't know how Anthony Rizzo would do next season, in 2022 or in 2023. If Anthony Rizzo has no other team that's really, really, really interested in having him play first base for them, and he comes back to the Cubs and says, okay, how about this? Well, let's just, let's just get this done. I'll come play for you guys two or three years. You can either trade me, you can play me, you can do whatever. And at some point... I'll get my send-off, and then I'll go, possibly go somewhere else, and then I, that would be fine. I would have no problem with that. But the reality is, Anthony Rizzo is probably not going to be the primary first baseman on the next really good Chicago Cubs baseball team. He's just not. He's probably fallen off a bit from his peak, He's probably going to stay down below what used to be his peak. And I would imagine that about what he did last year is about what you're going to get. You'll have good streaks. You'll have bad streaks. You'll have streaks where he's going to play three games out of 22 because that's who he is now. Uh, reviewing a review of the 1972 Pirates. The 72 Pirates were coming off of a World Series title. And in 1971, their hitting carried them entirely. And in 1972, their pitching did a lot of the damage. They still hit some, but there was this one stretch where, now, if you know the 1971 Pirates... Clementi and Stargell leading the way, unless you want to say Stargell and Clementi leading the way. The 1972 Pirates, who won the division, there was one stretch over 60 games where Clementi and Stargell started one time in the outfield. One time they both played together in the same starting lineup. Over two months, one time, Stargell and Clemente played. 
they had gotten to the point where they were not necessarily always going to be everyday outfield players anymore. Sadly, it would be Clemente's last year as he would die in a plane crash in the offseason. No matter what was going to happen with Clemente had he survived the season, he probably wasn't going to get a whole lot better in 1973 or 1974 than he had been in 1971 or 1972, once a player gets to the point where, you know, he used to be a 156, a 158, a 160 game a year player, but now he's looking more like a 148, 150, 152 kind of a player. And there starts to be that sort of a trend. He's probably going to start hitting the, well, now he's only playing 140 games a year before he's going to return back to, yeah, he's going to play 160. Anthony Rizzo, there are going to be back issues. There are going to be back issues. There are going to be back issues. There are going to be other issues as well. Anthony Rizzo is not going to be that guy who's playing 152 games. Hey, but there's the designated hitter. Yeah, there's a designated hitter, but he's still not going to play 150 games a year. He's just not that kind of guy necessarily anymore. He's going to have those times where he'll go on the injured list. He's going to have that those times where, well, we're not quite going to put him on the injured list yet. He's going to sit out today. He's going to sit out tomorrow, which is a day off. And then probably the other team has a lefty go in the next day. He'll probably sit out that game. And then it'll be 50-50 on whether he'll play. You don't know when he's going to play. You just don't know when he's going to play. Anthony Rizzo is not that guy who's going to go out and play 152, 154, 156 games in a year. He's not that guy anymore. He's not that guy anymore. He's not the guy that on the wrong side of 30, you're going to want to spend $20 million a year on. He just isn't from a fiscally logical perspective. Anthony Rizzo is still a perfectly fine option at first base if a team has no other option at first base. As of right now, the Cubs have Frank Schwindel. How much or how little you think of Frank Schwindel based on logic, based on history, based on whatever it is you're going to evaluate whatever on, how you assess Frank Schwindel ought to assess how much you value Anthony Rizzo. But, 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 there's a designated hitter. Yeah, there's a designated hitter. It's kind of silly to walk into a season at the start of the year and deliberately choose our DH is going to be one of these two guys, whichever one isn't going to be playing first base. Unless those two players are both elite. You know, if you had, for instance, um, peak value Mark Teixeira and peak value Freddie Freeman playing them both, every single day kind of make kind of might make a little bit of sense pot committing and saying we are expecting complete etc 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 out of Schwindel and Rizzo not quite a saleable 
Signing Rizzo would be fine. Signing Rizzo would be fine if the numbers, if the commitment are not too extensive. Signing Rizzo would be fine if the basic premise is keep Schwindel, keep Rizzo, and in July, if things aren't going well, trade somebody. Heck, trade them both. 2022 should be about what is going to help the Cubs in 2023, 2024, and beyond. Period. Period. Hey, we're not going to have spring training. Well, okay, so what? You know, that, that's the way it's going to be. There's not going to be spring training for the major leagues. Pay more attention to the minor leagues. Where are the minor, Where is Pete Crow Armstrong going to be assigned? But I don't want to pay attention to the minor league as well. 2022 is about how the future is going to be set up. 2022 isn't about 2022 for the Chicago Cubs. It just isn't. It won't be. The Cubs will not be, in my opinion, a major factor in the playoffs. And if they are, hey, cool. But I just don't see it especially based on what they've done, what other teams have done. How the pipeline does, how the draft options are assessed, that seems more important to me. It seems a whole lot more important to me for the future for the Cubs than how many wins they get in 2022. How many wins the Cubs get in 2022 is going to be rather incidental. How questions start getting answered for the future seems a whole lot more important. You give the Cubs the prorated 67 wins, 68 wins, 71 wins, 73 wins, but Caleb Killian, Brennan Davis, and Ben Leeper all look like valid pieces for the future, I'm down with it. If the Cubs end up doing the 79, 80, 81, 82, 86 prorated win season, but a whole bunch of the players who were being looked at as important have horrible seasons and miss the season due to injury and all that kind of stuff, that's not the season I wanted, wanted to look at. The future is what matters. Whether the Cubs want to sign Anthony Rizzo or not, basically incidental. I strongly recommend, strongly recommend, if you have any... Any specific thoughts tied to the concept of I like Frank Schwindel as meaning Anthony Rizzo was overrated or a a anything, anything along those lines, lightning rod thoughts, they're inaccurate. Maybe not in every specific case. Anthony Rizzo did what he was supposed to do. He showed up from San Diego. He became a legend. 
He was the first baseman for a very, 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 very good decade and pocketed three baseballs. Anthony Rizzo was fantastic. None of that can ever be taken away. None of it ever should be taken away. None of that should ever be attempted to be taken away. None of it. At some time in sports, it comes time to on to the next. And on to the next right now for the Cubs indicates Frank Schwindel had a very good two-month stretch and will be making league minimum in 2022. A player that had a very good two-month stretch that will be making league minimum in 2022 is probably what the Cubs ought to be looking for for the future. That does not preclude Anthony Rizzo from being involved with the Cubs. It does not deny Anthony Rizzo might not be a part of the Cubs. Frank Schwindel makes sense for the Cubs. Frank Schwindel makes sense for the Cubs. Regardless how many jerseys of Anthony Rizzo you have, how much you enjoyed the 2015, 2016, 2017, and any other specific playoff runs, Anthony Rizzo's time was fantastic. Could he possibly have something in store for the future? Yeah, he could possibly. But to say that because somebody likes Frank Schwindel or because somebody says, you know, I think Rizzo's time with the Cubs possibly might be in the past. Don't load it down with things that aren't necessarily there. The Ellen James Society had beliefs that Ellen James did not necessarily have or condone or endorse. Frank Schwindel is a baseball player. How will he do in 2022? I have no idea. But usually if a player does well for two months and is going to be on a league minimum deal, you might as well give him a chance to see if he'll do well for another two or three or four years. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be horrible. Maybe he'll be somewhere in between. And in about May, the Cubs will send him down to Iowa. And Alfonso Rivas we'll get a whole bunch of at-bats. And we'll get a look at Alfonso Rivas. And then maybe he'll get sent back down and Schwindel will come. We have no idea. We have no idea. It's logical to do what logically makes sense. And largely that involves, now, give Frank Schwindel a look. Let him prove that what happened last year was a fluke. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But let him prove whether he can hit at the major league level or not. If he can hit at the major league level for the next two, three, four years, then the Cubs have a partial answer for certain questions and a potential trade piece 
eventually. There's no point in making a decision on how good Frank Schwindel will or will not be until Frank Schwindel is given a chance in 2022, much like Frank Schwindel was given a chance in 2021. To an extent, Frank Schwindel probably ought to be the primary first baseman with DH coming from elsewhere. DH coming from elsewhere. Whoever that would end up being. I'm a huge fan of DH being a position that is fluctuant based on the pitcher. Unless you already have someone who is built in, who is a fantastic DH like a Nelson Cruz or someone along those lines. With the Cubs, it might end up being a situation where today we're going to start Clint Frazier at DH. Now tomorrow, it might be Ian Happ. Then the next day, it might be Rafael Ortega. Then the next day, it might be Patrick Wisdom. Then the next day, it might... And you just... Whoever it is. Whoever it is, you send in that guy and have that guy be the DH for that day. And then the next day, you figure out the next day. There is no requirement for DH being figured out four days in advance, five days in advance, six days in advance. Put together the best squad you can based on spending limits and as other teams respond to their 40-man roster moves, the Cubs counter back. Is that player that they just designated for assignment worth claiming or not? That's how I look at it. Every option to decide is something that should be looked into. And pot committing to, well, this guy has to be our DH because we gave him three years and $27 million to be our DH. I don't know. I don't know what would be an appropriate contract for Rizzo. If Rizzo wants to come back to the Cubs, then fine. I'm good with it. But if he doesn't want to come back to the Cubs, then good. I'm fine with it. It all depends. If Rizzo wants to come back, he will. If he doesn't want to, then he won't. It's really not that much of an argument. Who will be the DH for the Cubs primarily in 2022? That's kind of inconsequential. It's really kind of inconsequential. It'll probably be a little bit of this guy, a little bit of that guy. And some guy said, oh, I didn't expect him to be that good. Um, as which always happens. People didn't expect... Ortega to be that good. People didn't expect Schwindel to be that good. People didn't expect Wisdom to be that good. I don't think anybody has it nailed down who's going to be good in 2022 either. If Rizzo wants to, fine. I don't want Eric Hosmer at DH or first base, not even remotely. But if Rizzo ends up being fine, it's not that huge of an issue. At least not for me. When baseball turns to emotion over logic, I start stopping. There's a lot about baseball that I have stopped about because people take things too emotionally. For me, it's logic. Does the contract logically make sense? Is there enough upside for the team? Is there enough upside for the player? If both sides are good, 
Sure, what the heck, let's do it. Like with the Marcus Stroman contract. But if there's too much punishment, if there is too much cost, if there is too much danger for the team, yeah, not really, not really. 2022 is not that important of a season to me. Maybe it is to you, but it isn't to me. For me, 2022 is about how are those kids in South Bend doing? How's Tennessee looking? Are the I-Cubs getting it done? Are the players at Myrtle Beach representing against players? Are the Cubs going to be able to manage a second camp, uh, compound league team? Those are the things that interest me. Those are the things that interest me. How is Cristian Hernandez doing? How is Pedro Ramirez doing? Those are the things that interest me as to whether the Cubs decide to come up with a way to get Anthony Rizzo for another two years. Eh, not really a huge, not a huge, uh, not a huge key on my keychain. Just really isn't. Um, if it happens, I'll cheer for him. And if it gets to a point where it's late July and Anthony Rizzo's having a fairly decent season and the Cubs aren't competing and somebody is offering quality prospect talent to get Anthony Rizzo, well, you already know what I want the Cubs to do. And that won't be very popular either. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great rest of your week.